This is BT Techno, a regular podcast series for financial advisors wanting to remain at the forefront of strategy, regulatory and industry news. Hello everyone, my name is Tim Howard, Technical Services Consultant in at BT Tech Services, a team of qualified individuals to help you as advisors answer any technical advice, strategy related queries you might have. Last week was episode 44 of our fortnightly BT Academy technical webinar series and I spent the time discussing a range of self-managed super fund or SMSF residency issues with the audience. These live sessions always end up delivering some well-considered questions from the audience, so I thought it would share a few of the common themes with you on this week's podcast. By way of background, an SMSF must meet numerous rules to benefit from the concessional tax treatment of superannuation. One of the most important of these is for an SMSF to satisfy the residency test, that is, to be an Australian superannuation fund at all times. When you have clients with SMSFs who reside in Australia permanently, these tests are unlikely to be of concern. However, when the same clients look to travel overseas for more than just a holiday, such as for a work secondment or a change of job, the control of and any contributions to their SMSF need to be carefully considered. Now, the first of these three tests requires the fund to either have been established in Australia or have any assets of the fund situated in Australia. Where an SMSF was established in Australia, technically when the initial contribution made to establish the fund is paid to and accepted by the trustee of the fund in Australia, this test has been met indefinitely. If not, the fund must always maintain an asset in Australia, such as, by way of example, a real property situated in Australia or an investment in a company incorporated within Australia. The second test requires that the central management and control of the fund is ordinarily in Australia. Now, central management and control of an SMSF does involve the focus on the who, when and where the strategic and higher level decision making processes and activities of the fund are performed. The strategic and higher level decision making processes include such things as formulating the fund's investment strategy, reviewing and updating or varying the fund's investment strategy, monitoring and reviewing the performance of the fund's investments, and if the fund has reserves, the formulation of the strategies for their prudent management. Central management and control would also include how the assets of the fund are to be used to fund member benefits. Now finally, the third test is the active member test. A member is an active member of a super fund at a particular point in time if the member is a contributor to the fund or is an individual on whose behalf contributions have been made, which does include, for this case, rollovers. Now, the active member test requires that where the fund has active members, at least 50% of the total market value of the fund's assets attributable to super interests held by active members is attributable to super interests held by active members who are Australian residents. That is Australian residents as defined for tax purposes as per the definition in the Income Tax Assessment Act 1936. So as you can see, the second and third tests are therefore generally the tests that require close examination when your SMSF clients are moving overseas. So here are a couple of questions we had from the webinar. The first question we had was around temporary holidays outside of Australia. So the question posed was, in the case of a two-member SMSF, husband and wife, if both members plan to go overseas for an extended holiday, let's call it eight months, is there a central management and control issue? 
and what if they chose to contribute while they were overseas? Now, the first issue to identify here is the test is test two, the central management control of the fund. Where we have temporary absence from Australia, this is fine, as the temporary as the central management control ordinarily rem- remains uh, in Australia. Now, if required, they can make central management and control decisions while overseas, and the fund wouldn't fail this test. Uh, the next thing we have to consider is test three, the active member test. Now, you could almost certainly assume that they would remain Australian tax residents. That being the case, they wouldn't have an issue contributing to the fund whilst away. I'd certainly expect them to remain as tax residents while only absent from Australia for a temporary eight-month holiday. (laughs) Now, the second question was a little more complex, and it was around overseas travel being extended, uh, employer contributions being paid, and enduring of powers of attorney being granted. Uh, a question was, a client went overseas in July 2019 for work with their intention to return in June 2020. Now, her commitments were then extended to July 2022. The employer continued to make SG payments while overseas. Uh, the client's main residence, assets and other personal affairs uh, were retained and maintained in Australia through this time. Uh, less than half of the SMSF's assets were attributable to this particular member, but they had granted an enduring power of attorney to their son while they were away. So a lot to digest there, but the first thing we need to look at is I would certainly assume that the fund was uh, established in Australia, so we're going to take for granted that the first test was met. Secondly, was there, um, as there was a mechanism in place that allowed an enduring power of attorney to take control of the central management and control issues. I would also assume, uh, in lieu of any other information, that the son with the enduring power of attorney uh, is, as he's able, to take care of the central management and control issues uh, of the fund for the mother, and therefore we can assume the second test has been met. Now, for the employer to continue to make SG payments, the client may also remain an Australian tax resident. Uh, if she's not an Australian tax resident and those contributions, those SG contributions are in relation to a period of time where she wasn't an Australian tax resident, then this would make her a non-resident active member. So we need to think about the third test. Uh, as stated earlier, the client has less than 50% of the fund's assets attributable to her, but we need to go beyond this. She needs to have less than 50% of the fund's assets attributable to active members attributable to her as an active member non-resident. So if she's the only active member as a non-resident and the SG is in relation to a time she wasn't an Australian resident, you would have an issue and fail the third test. However, if there were other active members in the fund who are Australian residents, who have at least 50% of the fund's assets attributable to them as active members, then we would not have an issue, uh, even if she was receiving SG as a non-resident, because the majority of the fund's assets attributable to those active members would, in this case, be attributable to active members who are Australian residents. So certainly, as you can see, things can get complex in this space. Final question I wanted to share with you today uh, is the third question I chose from our webinar last week. Does a trustee, the question is, does a trustee member uh, need to declare their intention 
of what they're doing, where they're going, how long they're leaving for before leaving the country. Now, if an absence is temporary, it is certainly worth noting this and the relevant facts supporting this being the case uh, in a meeting minute with the SMSF. These residency tests are at the time tests. They can't be decided in retrospect. So to avoid any doubt around what the members' intentions were and why, it would be important to note what they're doing, where they're going and how for, how long for, um, from an audit and management perspective of the SMSF. Now, don't forget, you can watch all of our previous BT Academy episodes plus register for upcoming live sessions, which will allow you to participate in the live polls, the Q&A discussion, etc. Head over to bt.com.au forward slash professional uh, and follow the links to the BT Academy webinar series. Our next fortnightly session is scheduled for Wednesday, the 2nd of March, 2022, when Brian Ashenden, Head of Financial Literacy and Advocacy in here at BT, will be presenting on the topic of You Know and I Know Better, or best interests for those who aren't used to his cryptic titles of his presentations. Uh, Working in the best interest of a client is not a new concept. We've had it from FOFA since 2013 certainly permeates through the code of ethics which is with us now. We hear it's not all about costs, but what does it really mean? In this session, Brian will be delving into the best interests means from a legislative, ethical and fiduciary perspective. He'll show you how best interest doesn't mean the best or the cheapest and alternative options that can show how you can put your client in a better position. In the meantime, also remember, if you have any technical questions, you can contact myself or other members of the BT Technical Services team Monday to Friday on 1800 655 901 or send us an email at technical at btfinancialgroup.com. Thank you for joining me for this week's podcast. Until next time, bye for now. BT Tech knows, and now you know. Join us next time to keep ahead of the curve for strategy, regulatory and industry news. This podcast is being developed for financial advisor use only and provides general information only. It does not take into account any particular individual's objectives, financial situations or needs.